Genesis 30, 41 through 43. And it came to pass, whenever the stronger livestock conceived, that Jacob placed the rods before the eyes of the livestock in the gutters, that they might conceive among the rods. But when the flocks were feeble, he did not put them in. So the feebler were Laban's, and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man became exceedingly prosperous, and had large flocks, female and male servants, and camels and donkeys. Welcome to Walking Through the Book. I'm Stephen McCrary. And I'm Brian Bales. And today we'd like to talk with you about the Bible. Specifically, we want to discuss Genesis chapter 30 today. Walking Through the Book is all about these three things. We want to encourage Bible reading, demonstrate proper and responsible study of the Bible, and emphasize what the text says, no more and no less. Uh, we want to make sure that we're glorifying God in the way that we uh, show you ultimately uh, what his word is. And we don't do that because we inherently know somehow, but simply because the, the truth is in the word. And so we're really thankful for you taking the time to listen today. Before we start, we do want to let you know how to get in touch with us. You can find us on Facebook very easily if you search at Walking Through the Book. You can also email us, walkingthroughthebook at protonmail.com is our email. And please check the website where this podcast and other podcasts are hosted, NorthColumbusChristians.com. That's the website of the North Columbus Church of Christ. And this is uh, the congregation that, that I work with uh, in Columbus, Mississippi. We'd be glad to see you anytime you're passing through the area. Bryant, uh, you want to let people know how to get in touch with you and maybe go over the flow of the program today. Yeah, so I uh, work as the evangelist at a church that meets to the west side of downtown Savannah in Georgia. So right on the eastern coast by the shoreline over here on the ocean's edge uh, of Georgia. Really beautiful location if you'd ever want to come and join us. Uh, It's the Garden City Church of Christ. And we have a website, gardencitycoc.org, and a Facebook page as well. Uh, So if you'd want to look us up anytime and join us, we'd be glad about that. And with the program, uh, we generally do the same format with every episode. We're reading through the book of Genesis right now, and we're going to be in chapter 30 today, and we're going to be kind of going from just reading the text to having some initial observations where we just kind of point out some things that uh, maybe stuck out to us or we maybe haven't noticed before as much or thought about as much before in the reading And then we try to move from there to looking at some more thematic uh, things in the text, maybe some things that maybe relate to the bigger story of Genesis or the bigger story of the Bible and how things might relate to Jesus. And from there, we always try to end the uh, program kind of looking for some ways that we can make application from the text as well, uh, which is always a very convicting uh, thing to think about with some of these narratives that give us illustrations of principles that we can really learn some profound things from. 
Uh, and so we're trying to really just encourage the the beauty and the glory and just the power of just taking the Bible for what it says, you know, and not trying to use uh, a book to guide us, uh, like an extra book to guide us in trying to figure things out, but just letting letting the word be the source of our meditation. And so we hope that you find that to be encouraging as you join us in the program today. You know, Bryant, you are so poetic with the way that you describe Savannah. Every time it's something different and something interesting. Uh, And I wish I had those talents when discussing Columbus, Mississippi. Um, But yeah. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot to say about Savannah. It's a pretty cool place. (laughs) Mm, Okay. I'll have to, I'll have to visit out there sometime. Um, Yeah. We really want to emphasize that, I really think that a lot of people out there really are thirsting for real Bible study like this. Yeah. And, uh, right. and, and, you know, we don't come to this with a sense of like, you know, oh, everybody, nobody really wants this. Nobody cares about the gospel. I think we both have a very vested interest in, in knowing that, you know, there are indeed people out there that want the truth. Uh, but the difficulty, of course, is that that we so often become blinded. I think mm-hmm. because uh, because we're just really um, unable to see. I think I think there are so many things in the way that we're raised sometimes, and mm-hmm. the churches that we go to, perhaps, and uh, you know, just the way that we think sometimes that that really uh, steer us away from the scriptures. And so mm-hmm. we hope that this podcast is useful for you in sort of reorganizing, refocusing, fo- refocusing yourself to uh, to appreciate the beauty and the simplicity that's in the truth and in the Word of God. Genesis chapter 30. Now when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, Give me children or else I die. Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel, and he said, Am I in the place of God who has withheld you from the fruit of the womb? So she said, Here is my maid Bilhah. Go into her, and she will bear a child on my knees, so that I may have children by her. Then she gave him Bilhah, her maid, as wife, and Jacob went into her. And Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged my case, and he has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore she called his name Dan. And Rachel's maid Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, With great wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed I have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali. When Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, she took Zilpah, her maid, and gave her to Jacob as wife. And Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, A troop comes. So she called his name Gad. And Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, I am happy, for the daughters will call me blessed. 
So she called his name Asher. Now Reuben went in the days of wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, Please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, Is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Would you take away my son's mandrakes also? And Rachel said, Therefore he will lie with you tonight for your son's mandrakes. When Jacob came out of the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, You must come into me, for I have surely hired you with my son's mandrakes. And he lay with her that night. And God listened to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Leah said, God has given me my wages, because I have given my maid to my husband. So she called his name Issachar. Then Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. And Leah said, God has endowed me with a great endowment. Now my husband will dwell with me, because I have borne him six sons. So she called his name Zebulun. Afterward she bore a daughter, called her name Dina. Then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb. And she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. So she called his name Joseph and said, The Lord shall add to me another son. And it came to pass, when Rachel had born Joseph, that Jacob said to Laban, Send me away, that I may go to my own place and to my country. Give me my wives and my children, for whom I have served you, and let me go, for you know my service which I have done for you. And Laban said to him, Please stay, if I have found favor in your eyes, for I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Then he said, Name me your wages, and I will give it. So Jacob said to him, You know how I have served you and how your livestock has been with me. For what you had before I came was little, and it has increased to a great amount. The Lord has blessed you since my coming. And now when shall I also provide for my own house? So he said, What shall I give you? And Jacob said, You shall not give me anything. If you will do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep your flocks. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from there all the speckled and spotted sheep and all the brown ones among the lambs, and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and these shall be my wages. So my righteousness will answer for me in, the in time to come, when the subject of my wages comes before you. Every one that is not speckled and spotted among the goats, and brown among the lambs, will be considered stolen, if it is with me. And Laban said, Oh, that it were according to your word! So he removed that day the male goats that were speckled and spotted, all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that had some white in it, and all the brown ones among the lambs, and gave them into the hand of his sons. Then he put three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. Now Jacob took for himself rods of green poplar, and of the almond and the chestnut trees, peeled white stripes in them, and exposed the white which was in the rods. And the rods which he had peeled he set before the flocks in the gutters, in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink, so that they should conceive when they came to drink. So the flocks conceived before the rods, and the flocks brought forth streaked, speckled, and spotted. Then Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face toward the streaked and all the brown in the flock of Laban. And he put his own flocks by themselves and did not put them with Laban's flock. And it came to pass, whenever the stronger livestock conceived, that Jacob placed the rods before the eyes of the livestock in the gutters, that they might conceive among the rods. But when the flocks were feeble, he did not put them in. So the feebler were Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. 
Thus the man became exceedingly prosperous, and had large flocks, female and male servants, and camels, and donkeys. Every time I study the Bible with Bryant, um, I feel like, you know, that I get to a point where I'm like, okay, certainly I've, I've heard him pronounce a name in a different way, like every other possible way, you know, and it's not bad. It's not bad at all. Um, you just, you just taught me Bryant that, that I can actually pronounce it Dina instead of Dinah. Yeah, there we go. It's not a bad thing. I mean, it's, here's the thing: you get a you get a guy from up north and a guy from down south, and you know, down here we're gonna say Dinah because you got hey, the Dinah. back of the throat, you got the guttural Dinah. Come here, Dinah. You know? <laughs> and, and but you know, you got the Dina going up going up in uh, Minnesota. So yep. yeah, no, I've I've again. I've heard from people. Tomato, tomato. I've heard of from a few people that uh, my way of pronouncing names in the Bible is pretty unique. So I don't even know if it's a Minnesota thing or if it's just I'm just <laughs> just pronounce the names whatever way seems good in the moment. I think I think unique's the way to describe it. It's not it's not wrong and it's not bad. It's just different. Yeah, that's okay. It's okay to be. We, we need a refreshment. I mean, it's like uh, you know, I've heard it pronounced Levites before instead oh. of Levites. Well, that's so. just weird. Yeah, I guess it is kind of weird. Sometimes I do it though. Sometimes I'm like reading, and you know. Anyway, um, <laughs> we talked about how you know we 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 discussed when we started to you know before we recorded. Do we want to do chapter thirty and thirty one, or just thirty? We're going to try for chapter thirty this time. Um, and, and there are some interesting things that that seem to be happening here. Um, the more we look at Jacob's life, um, I mean, is this trickery that he's resorting to again? Is that what's happening here? Or is this just him being wise about what he gets? Um, uh, you know, I put down in my notes that he resorts to trickery, but I'm not, I'm not really sure that's what you would call it. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. So this is to me, I mean, there's so many like mysterious and fascinating things in Genesis. This is one of them for me. I just think this is, I don't know. I've always just kind of looked at this and just kind of wondered about it. It's just very interesting. I I don't know. Maybe someone who actually deals with goats and lambs and things like that would, would know what Jacob is up to here. But I mean, I just, I don't see how animals conceiving close to certain rods is going to make them look any different than any other animal. So, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm coming at this with, with too ignorant, uh, a mindset here, but, uh, you know, is this something supernatural happening? Uh, I'm not a hundred percent on that. Um, uh, it, it would seem that he's, that, that Jacob is manipulating the situation into his favor at the very least. Mm. 
Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, somebody probably has looked really big into the whole almond branch poplar stuff, you know, stripping them and. Mm. But but yeah, I don't know. I, I I haven't looked deep. I'm not that kind of person that knows anything about that kind of thing. But yeah, no, I I just think that that is really interesting, you know, because it it's very specific, you know. Like it even says in verse 37, he exposed mm-hmm. the white which was in the rods and rods which he peeled he set before them and then in verse 41 it even says like again how specific it is it says jacob placed the rods before the eyes of the livestock in the gutters so i think that's interesting like it really emphasizes that i just think that's kind of fascinating mm. well <laughs> I, I i feel out of my element here and i, I hate that <laughs> but really uh, <laughs> um you know, one, one thing that we see, too, going on earlier on in the chapter is this sort of tit-for-tat between Leah and Rachel. And I, I can't I can't think of any other way to describe it as just, a, you know... I mean, if anybody has any question about whether polygamy is something that's good, I think, I think the story of Jacob is a great way for us to understand that that this can cause more problems than it than it actually you know even begins to solve um but this back and forth you know what does Rachel do she kind of does ends up doing the same thing that that Sarah did with uh with Abraham okay this isn't working so we're going to get uh, something else together here yeah it's interesting i i really noticed um Rachel's motivation, verse 1, is envy. And verse 8, you mm-hmm. see that there's competition in her mind. You know, with great wrestlings, I've wrestled with my sister. So she's thinking really competitively about this. And it really seems mm-hmm. like Leah just really wants the affection of her husband. You know, it's like her motivation mm-hmm. just seems radically different, which I think is interesting. Yeah, I I, w- I would say that Leah has more of a pure motivation concerning this. Um and again, this is one of those stories that you can put up beside with uh you know, 1 Samuel 1 with Hannah and Penina, that that envious quality. Mm-hmm. Um I think we mentioned that briefly uh the last episode how, you know, Leah's attitude really does seem to be very much centered on I'm going to support Jacob uh you know I want to I want to be there for Jacob I appreciate him um but you know I, nothing really is said specifically about the love that Rachel has for Jacob I don't know uh, and I, obviously I think the the obvious thing is that they love each other but uh but I, I think what you're what you're noticing is a very good thing to consider, um, and, and also look at verse two. Jacob's anger is is aroused against Rachel. Mm. You know, am I the one that did this to you? <laughs> and uh, uh, it's again, what kind of focus are they having? Um, Rachel seems to have the solution to say, "Well, here's my maid. Have a child with her." And then she tries to, it all, it's almost seems like she's trying to claim that child, you know, for herself. Mm. And I guess technically 
Um, that's true. But then, you know, you know, th- and this gets into the theme, but though, you know, we're going to talk about the specific tribes, I hope, and kind of go into a little bit of detail there with the theme section. But, um, but yeah, uh, all the different names for them for specific reasons. Um, and we even see Reuben himself. He's, you know, obviously old enough to go out and get these mandrakes. Um, I guess that's another thing where I'm not sure other than a spice, you know, would mandrake be useful for the different things that they say after they keep having kids. One, one of the things I noticed is, uh, did you, did you notice the different times where Leah and Rachel are both saying the Lord has heard me? Like, uh, let's see, verse, uh, oh, where did it go? Verse six, she says, God has judged my case and he has also heard the vo- my voice and given me a son. Um, and then, uh, mm-hmm. I think Leah said something else. So verse 16 says, God listened to Leah. Um, and I wonder with what Rachel said, if that infers that Rachel had been praying to God. Uh, just the fact that she says, God has heard my voice is uh, is interesting. I wonder if that's not more than just her saying, give me children or else I die uh, to Jacob. There is a leaning on that. But at the same time, like, you know, this doesn't... Again, we look at this, the challenge with looking at these texts is we're looking at it sometimes from a very worldly perspective, you know, even, you know, even if we're Christians, I think, I think we're pulled to say, well, this isn't right or that isn't right. And maybe that's not a worldly perspective. We're trying from a spiritual perspective, but it's a different, it's a different situation that we're in. And, uh, yeah, you can say again that, that Rachel doing this and going outside is like something that we wouldn't do today but uh, again the 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 running theme seems to be through all of this and i think that just ties together for me is that here's these people they're they're doing all these things that seem to be at least not ideal um and at worst you know rebellious or or or, or wrong or wicked and yet god continues to bless them yeah, because, I mean, you definitely see, you know, Rachel's motive, just like we already talked about, you know, doesn't look doesn't look like it's the right kind of motive, and yet God still gives her more children. And it's interesting, and I wonder if, like, the circumstances were just organized in just such a way to cultivate, you know, again, like, humility. Uh, like, verse 23 and 24. Um, mm-hmm. I think verse 23 especially is, is interesting, because this chapter is really split pretty neatly with the you know the account of these children being born from Rachel and her handmaid and Leah and her handmaid and then Laban and Jacob interacting so like at verse 25 kind of starts a different section but so the section on them having children ends with Rachel saying God has taken away my reproach I think that's that's very interesting Um, because in verse 32 uh, the first child that um, Leah bore, and verse 32 of chapter 29, I'm sorry, verse 32 of chapter 29, 
Leah says, the Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. So this, the beginning of this whole account starts in chapter 29, and it really starts with the idea of God noticing mm. my affliction and relieving the affliction. Then it ends with Rachel saying something very similar to what Leah said. So I think, I think that's just really interesting uh, how God worked that out. Again, it is a distinct motivation, though, because... Mm. You know, you could even argue that what Leah thinks of as her affliction is that my husband doesn't love me Mm. or my husband. Mm. You know, I'm not the one that my husband wanted. Mm. Whereas Rachel, she doesn't need to strive for that. She's already Mm. got it. Right, right. She knows that Jacob loves her. And uh, I don't know, maybe maybe there's some interesting things to, to think about there as far as as far as application goes. Um. You know, I don't know what we don't see Jacob's reaction when, you know, the deal is struck and he basically is is pressured into going into Leah. Um, That's really interesting. You know, uh, I don't know if that was any kind of uh, issue at all or not. But um, but yeah, I think I think your points are well made. You've got different motivations with these women. Uh, almost a different way that they're looking at things. Um, Rachel is focusing on, okay, I need to have a child. I need to have a child. Lee is not worried about that. She's got that, but there's something else that she, that she doesn't have that she wants. Mm. And maybe, you know, there, there is a universal aspect to that. I Mm. think a lot of people, of course, you know, we all know that feeling of wanting something that we don't have. And, uh, Whatever it is, it's not always the same thing. Yeah, I think you can see how desperate Leah was because of the Mandrake thing. I think that that mm-hmm. really shows us just how un- unappreciated she felt. And maybe not mm-hmm. even how unappreciated she felt, but how unappreciated she was. That Rachel really did have to go to Jacob and say, Jacob, you know, here's how Lee and I interacted earlier and here's the situation with the Mandrake. So you need to have relations with her because of that. And so that's just, that's really sad, you know, and especially with how desperately Leah wanted the affection of Jacob. I agree. So it's almost like when Joseph is born that Jacob is saying, okay, now it's time for me to shove off. (laughs) Um, and, uh, he, it's almost like he's telling Laban as an employer, Hey, you know, let's, Let's part ways. Let me go to my own place. And Laban is the employer that's saying, "No, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting too much good work out of you. We really, I really want you to stay." Um, and, and and there is an appreciation from Laban from this standpoint that uh, he says, "I've learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your mm. sake." And I, I, I guess generally, there's a general. Addition, there's a, there's a there's a way that that Laban has been blessed in this way. Um, I you know, I I have to wonder, you know, why is that? Um, I mean, are there any places that we can see in chapter twenty nine where we see literally Laban being greatly blessed through Jacob? Hmm. Yeah, I don't think that's, that's uh, said there yet. 
Jacob served seven years for Rachel. This is 29, verse 20. Jacob served seven years for Rachel. Um, let's see. Yeah, I don't see any statement up to this time about Laban literally being blessed through this. This, I mean, obviously we, we have to understand this is what's happened. But, uh, you know, that connection that Laban makes, that I know that, that, that the Lord has blessed me, you know, for your sake. I'm just not sure why he would say that or see that unless he has some way to understand... I mean, I don't know. Do you think Laban knew about the promises that Abraham had been given, and that? I mean, do you think Jacob would have mm. would have shared something like that? You know that that's that's interesting. I wonder if Laban would have known about that. You know, because Laban was an idolater. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we see mm-hmm. that when later Jacob leaves and Rachel takes some of his idols. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, for him to. Mention God specifically is interesting. So somehow he knew Jacob was connected to Jehovah God and not one of his idols. So that's interesting. You know, he didn't just think like, oh, right. the God of, you know, just to use a name a little more familiar with an idol. But, you know, he didn't say Baal is blessing me through Jacob. You know, he right. says it's the Lord. Right. You know, so that that is very interesting. Hmm. And, and, you know, Baal, Baal, of course, in those times, I mean, Baal was another word for what we think of as the Lord in those places. But we need to keep in mind that when the Bible, when the Old Testament says the Lord in all caps, that's another, basically an in-place word for Yahweh or Jehovah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think Laban is indeed saying, you know, Jehovah God has blessed me for your sake. Um, and it's interesting, too, and, because... Uh, and this might be going to the theme section, but that, that struck me and that he said it that way because you remember when uh, Isaac was dwelling with Abimelech, uh, king of the Philistines, that in chapter 26, 28, Abimelech like, said the same thing and kind mm-hmm. of desired the same thing. You know, he said, you know, I, we have certainly seen that the Lord is with you. And so he mm-hmm. he wanted peace, you know. He wanted some kind of connectivity with with Isaac because of that. And it seems like same thing with Laban. He's saying, mm-hmm. "Okay, wow, I perceive that I'm being blessed because you're here. So what, you know, what, what do I got to do for you to stay with me?" And I think I think wow. there was um, I think there was another time that that got said to Abraham as well. Man, I'm connecting dig. some threads there that mm. that we're gonna get back Ooh, into. Yeah, if deal. you'll remind me of that, <laughs> I'm write it down. You know, what if what if an employer, you know, what if you're leaving in a place of employment and he says, listen, if you stay, name me your wages, you know, name mm-hmm. me your salary. Yeah. And, and you you can know from that that, like, you're, you're really valuable. I mean, I, I, I left a job once. This is one of the stupidest things I've ever done. But I left a job once where the, the manager was telling me, listen, you know, I can get you an hourly raise. I can get you a higher point of commission and things like that. And I just had my sight set in a different, uh, direction, um, that really turned out to be a bad decision ultimately. But, you know, uh, regardless, you look back on that and you're like, wow, that's the only time I've really been in that situation where I'm leaving a place <laughs> and they're saying, Hey, stay and we'll make it a little bit better for you. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you've found yourself in that situation before Bryant, but, um, you know, 
Jacob, he goes on and he, he, he almost like he's building it up. He's like, Oh yeah, really? You're totally right. <laughs> uh, things have gone extremely well. I've served you, um, before for what you had before I came was little, it's increased to a great amount. <laughs> and, and, and there's something here too that we want to keep in mind. Um, that, that I think we see generally throughout all of God's word is that just stating the facts, you know, even if they're, uh, complimentary of yourself is not a bad thing. Um, again, kind of jumping, jumping ships here, but I do, I want to hit this while we're here. You know, Moses takes the time before his death to tell the people, Hey, listen, I haven't defrauded anybody. I haven't done anything wrong at all. If I, if anybody here is someone that I've done wrong against, please step forward now and we'll make this right. You know, that wasn't a prideful thing for Moses to say. And I think generally we shy away from those statements in our society today because it's thought of, oh, well, that's prideful. Well, maybe it's just being honest. And, you know, of course, we don't want to, to sit on that. I don't think Jacob is sitting on that here, but he's just telling him, you know, outright. And, uh, and, and the question, you know, when shall I also provide for my own house? He's, he's making it clear to Laban, this is what I'm interested in right now. Man, I think there's, there's a lot that I didn't realize we'll be able to talk about in the theme section because of how oh, rich yeah. that is. I mean, man, that's, that's just incredible. Yeah, because it is interesting that Jacob knew also fully well that God was blessing him and Laban by him being there and you just think about how Mm -hmm. humbling that would be uh but like it would build like you were saying this humble confidence like god is with me you know and god is god Mm -hmm. is blessing me in this work that i'm doing um and i think i think we see that as the narrative goes on more and more like you said but it's interesting the desperation of laban to keep him there because of that and i think there's there's Mm -hmm. something pretty deep about that and, and I, I, I guess like what you just said to some comments I was making earlier, I guess I should, I'll save that for the theme section. But, but yeah, I think so often when we talk about just what's happening, you know, we kind of slow down and we, and we say, okay, here's what the event is. Here's, here's how things are happening. All of a sudden, when you just kind of repeat it to yourself, it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Wow. This, there's so many things going on here that are so incredible, you know, that you miss when you just kind of kind of go over it and move on, you know? So I just appreciate you pointing those things out. I think it's kind of hilarious in a sense where Jake uh, Laban's like, what shall I give you? And Jacob's like, you're not going to give me anything. <laughs> yes. Here's, here's, <laughs> <It's funny>. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing, man here. If you do this, this is what's going to keep me here. Okay. And, uh, and it's almost like he's saying, let's set up a profit sharing thing. I mean, that's, that's how I would really describe this mm-hmm. is that, Hey, you know, Jacob's like, let's sweeten this deal <laughs> a little bit. And let me, let me say, you know, this is, this is going to be mine. This is going to be yours. We're not going to blend it. Um, we're going to see this distinction together. Wow. Um, oh, that is so interesting. Cause this sounds so good to Laban. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. he's not saying I need some money. I need some, he's like, 
And then it sounds like he's taking like the weak and unwanted ones too. You know, so it's like Laban's just the winner right. all around. I mean, win, win, win. This is like what a what <laughs> better deal could he possibly make? But it seems like Jacob, his humble confidence again. He knows God is with him, and I think, mm-hmm. and this is something I was going to bring up a little bit later, but I think when he starts peeling the wood, my opinion is Jacob did those things knowing God would use it because he was God's chosen man and God wasn't going to let him down. Mm. And I think there's a lot of New Testament Mm. correlations to that with Jesus and who we are. Wow, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I look forward to getting into that in just a little bit. Um, But yeah, I mean, you you make the perfect point. It's like Laban is totally signed on to this. And, and there is the sense here, I mean, I, I, maybe calling it trickery isn't fair. Maybe this is just wise on Jacob's mm. part because it's not like he's stealing from Laban. Mm. Mm. Um, he's just, he's just being very shrewd. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe some people out there would still think of that as trickery. We've got a lot of people in this world that I would say are against, uh, you know, business and big business and things like that. And I, I understand that. Um, anyway, that, that gets into a whole other thing. We're not going to go there. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse well, me. I think, I, I think some relatable biblical examples though, is like when Jesus came and Satan thought he was getting the sweet deal out of this, you know, it's like, wow, God's come in the flesh. Right. I can really hurt him. You yeah. know, like I can, do everything I want to do to God, <laughs> to this man now. Like, this is great, you know? And, and then you think about, like, Paul when he put himself on trial. The Jewish people are like, oh, this is wonderful. Like, Paul's in prison now. He's on trial. Mm. Oh, sweet. We can, you know, have a conspiracy and kill him and really just make a mockery of him. But it's like Paul did that knowing God was with him, though, knowing that God would make it to work yeah. out toward his advantage in the end. So it's really interesting. And and that's interesting too because like, you know, arguably Paul did his farthest reaching right. work while he was in right. prison. Right. Well, just like this, you know, like what what looked like that with Paul. I just appreciate you saying that because just like Paul, this turned out to be something that increased Jacob so much that he basically had to leave. I mean, he had such a huge livestock at the mm-hmm. end of this. Mm-hmm. He just became so rich and mm-hmm. powerful. And just like Paul, when when Paul really just put his faith in God and trusted God's presence being with him, it encouraged him to do things that so powerfully spread the glory of God. Uh, man, mm, wow! Oof, hard not to go into like deeper territory there. Yeah, let's let's let's. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, let's go into deeper territory. I don't yeah, have yeah. anything else to cover on at no, this point. How about yeah. you? No, yeah, that'd be that'd be great. So the theme section, of course, as Bryant talked about earlier, is where we're trying to pull more strings together and understand sort of, you know, let's see what's going on here in the bigger picture of the Bible. 
Uh, let's understand the the threads that tie together Genesis and not just Genesis, but the entire Old Testament, the New Testament, all together. And uh, you know, one of the great things about this too, Brian, is again, it really seems like we hit this every single time. We think there's not going to be a whole lot to cover, and then <laughs> yeah. there's just so much that starts to leap out of the text yeah. when we really consider mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. I think maybe part of that is that we're we're forcing ourselves into this place where we really mm-hmm. do have to pull out as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And I hope that that's not getting us to a point we don't want to we don't want to get to the wrong conclusions, and we don't want to use like bad reasoning in coming to these conclusions. So again, I mean, I want to stress that we're leaning on our listenership to, you know, help us out when we get something off or we feel like you feel like we've gone too far in a way, uh, please contact us and we'll have our contact information again later on in the podcast if you'd like to do that. But, um, you know, obviously one of the biggest things in the early part of the chapter is, you know, these are, this is where all the tribes of Israel come from. And it it kind of amazes me that the tribe that's going to give birth to the son of promise uh, comes across in the last verse of the last chapter like fairly obscurely. Mm. Like it just mm. he's there and he's gone. There's not a real not a whole lot of celebration. But that's that's the tribe that is eventually going to give birth to the Messiah. Um, but. You know what? What are some things, Bryant, that that you would say about the Rachel and Leah um, situation that we see kind of connected to the greater picture of the Bible? Hmm. Well, I think I think one thing really is Leah. So later on, uh, Leah is actually buried later on um, in the place where Abraham was buried and Sarah. And Rachel is not. Rachel dies on the way to Bethlehem Ephrathah. And she's buried in a different location. And I don't want to make too many judgments on, you know, what what that speaks to about the state of, like, her, you know, eternal place. Uh, but I just think it's interesting that, you know, Leah gets a place with Abraham in the place where her faithful ancestors were buried. Mm. Um, and I think... This this might sound really strange, but I think in a lot of ways God is like Leah. You know, where it's almost like God has to trick us into having affection for him. And then he has to, like, bribe mm. us to receive his affection. So, like, Laban, you know, wow. deceitfully gave Leah to Jacob. He didn't want Leah. And then Leah's got to, like, do all these things to go the extra mile to win his affection. At the end of it all, it still seems like he's ignoring her. And that's that's mm. that's totally my relationship with God, is God's had to dupe me shamefully into following him by sending Jesus just the most extravagant display of love in some wild hope that I'll be humbled by that. And just, that's just incredible to me, you know? And and one of the things I guess I'll say real quick is something in the old Testament that has really been humbling uh, this year is seeing God, the father in unexpected places and figures in the old Testament and I'll tell you why it's unexpected is because I see him in people who uh, were like Leah, people who were uh, hurt or harmed or thrown away, like Naomi. Forgotten. Yeah, like Naomi. So Naomi, I think, 
in the story of Ruth that there's aspects of who the father is in Naomi. Um, you know, Naomi was was barren, and uh, well, I guess we won't get into all that. It's gonna be a side thing, but but anyway, just that you wouldn't think that God would have any association Himself with who Leah is, but because of Leah's heart and circumstances, her heart and her circumstances relate to the father. Yeah, there's there's something to be said there, and maybe this is a bit more of an application, but I don't really have much to say here, so I'm going to go ahead and say it. Um, maybe we need to spend more time, uh, you know, chasing after spiritual Leah's <laughs> mm. than than spiritual mm. Rachel's. Um, right, right, right. You know, I, I I don't know really what else to say about that except that I I think so many Christians we want to. We want the big victories. We want the big, you know, everybody can see this truth, and I'm in front of everybody seeing this. And that's why we have mega churches, is that people want to feel like this is some big thing happening. Whereas, you know, the the reality about God is He works He works in in small, uh, steady ways that may not look uh, attractive to us. That may not look like the most glamorous or the most interesting way to go. Um, mm. So, yeah, very, very well put. Um, you know, Rachel. Rachel may be the most uh, delightful to look at. Maybe even the most delightful to be around. Let's say Leah. Maybe Leah was, uh, you know, uh, her personality. Maybe she was mm. a little bit tougher. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But the reality is that. That Rachel, you know, as far as actually producing children for Jacob, I mean, there's no contest here, uh, ultimately. Um, now, that's, again, not to disrespect Rachel, but, I mean, I, I think you I think you make a very good point that we do need to be looking. And even earlier on in the podcast, uh, you know, you made a really awesome point when we got to the point about, uh, I think we were talking about the flood and you made that point that God allows himself to be forgotten. Mm. He allows himself mm. to be, to mm. be left behind. And, uh, and that should really draw us out to help us to, mm. you know, at the very least appreciate those who are less appreciated among us, but also understand that we really need to be searching and striving about who God is and what he wants and what will please him. Yeah. And even just to further amplify that in verse 20, she says, now my husband will dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. And later in the narrative, when they're going to meet Esau, uh, Jacob actually sends Leah out farther than Rachel, which the consequence is if they're attacked by Esau, Leah's going to die first, and then Rachel will have an opportunity to escape. So even at the end of all this, Leah never won the affection of Jacob. Mm. You know, so you mm. see this desperation, but, you know, because when you look at, 2932 again you know now my husband will love me you know with the first child now my husband will love me it's like didn't happen you know mm. like she's mm. having all these kids and hoping and hoping and hoping but no you know and you just look at how precious she was to god though you know and you just have to think yeah. after leah died i mean discovering god's favor towards her at the time of her physical death i'm sure um wow you just can't even imagine you know and you know, isn't that God, what God wants all throughout the scriptures? Mm. You know, I shall be their God right. and they shall be my people. Yes, yes, right, right. He's, he's always wanted a people. And it's not, 
it's not just he wants uh you know physical kingdom or anything yeah. like that i mean who cares about wow. that he wants a people he wants a people that love him wow and that's isn't that the difference between the motive of god and satan satan wants to win yeah god just yeah. wants a person that's what god god wants people genuinely yeah. he genuinely wants people satan doesn't care about people he just wants to win you know, and, and wow, you know, you just think the, the dramatic difference between the heart of those two things. And how terrible it is to think that, like, I mean, there's no way that I, I, there's no way in my mind at this day and age that Satan could ever think about winning. Right. And so That's he's right. not even winning. Now he's just no. now he's just the guy that that lost that is trying to hurt as many people and as many things as he can. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't get want to get too far into that because that'll mm. get me down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but you know, it, it is neat to see all these sons being born, uh, and you you recognize these are going to be. You know, this is the foundation of a nation that's that's starting here. Uh, that really is developing and the way that we see it develop, and 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 here's where we begin to see it really start to grow. Mm. And uh, up until this time, it's been smaller families. It's just sort of like, really, you know, uh, all the world's going to be blessed through you. How is this going to happen with these small families? Well, here's something to be said here about that. And again, let me say, too, uh, the idea of polygamy here, uh, this, this is just one of those times in the Bible where I see, like, this is why God doesn't want us to have this. You know, this is not, you know... Uh, you're vying for people's affections and you're having to like, you're having people fight against each other for the affections of others or for, for glory or for, 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 as you said, for winning or not winning. Um, and, and, you know, we can see the clarity of it, but then God uses this bad situation right. to, to just have a whole lot of children born to Jacob. Mm. Man, I think that's such a great point because, as you were talking, I was I was thinking about some of the things you were saying and thinking about how just shameful this looks, you know, like mm-hmm. how can God bring Israel out of this? You know, this embarrassing story of these two women, one of them is being forgotten, one of them is being <laughs> competitive and this guy's just in between it all just having relations with all these different women, you know, it's just it's embarrassing. But something that crossed my mind is just like the shame of the cross, God doesn't fear the mm. embarrassment of how he chooses to fulfill his purpose because it magnifies his glorious grace. And so he has no fear to reveal the embarrassing, shameful aspects of how he did what he did because it only shows more clearly that it's really him who's done it and not the people, not the power of the people, not the purpose of the people, but it's his intention and his grace. That's such an amazing point because, I mean, case in point, the Roman Empire's myth about how they got started with Romulus and Remus. I mean, you know, not to count that it's one of the more ridiculous stories I've ever heard. These, you know, boys being raised by wolves, etc. But here's the thing. Some dirt poor farmers in Italy put together that mythology. Ultimately, they made up this mythology to try to say how grand and mighty and glorious that they are. Mm. And 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 it just really helps put things into perspective that the works of man will come to nothing. Mm. 
and that and that God rules in in, in all mm-hmm. and in the glory of that is just amazing that here's a God that he's not ashamed at how these things came about mm-hmm. uh, yeah he wasn't entirely happy with it I'm sure mm-hmm. but he still rules and he still reigns and regardless mm-hmm. of of what we think of it that's who he is man so okay I've got a, I'm turning in my Bible because this just crossed my mind so you need to give me a second but there is a really interesting connection speaking of that point. Oh, I hope I can find it. There it is. Um, all right. It's Luke twelve thirty-two, And I think it's related to 1 Samuel twelve twenty-two. So it's where Jesus says, Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's like, your father's a good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I mean, these guys, like, there's so many embarrassing things that happen around this time, you know? Like, people just don't get mm-hmm. it. So how can you say that? And then in First Samuel, I love this connection. I, I saw, I noticed this earlier this year, reading the Old Testament. First Samuel 12, uh, 22. Um, this, this really blew my mind because in 1 Samuel 12, it's like Israel is just failing. They are so miserable and, and again, embarrassing. They just they keep turning away from God. They keep blaspheming his glory by looking for every other way to have life and have reputation except in God. But then Samuel tells them, For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great namesake because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. And it's like, I read that and I'm like, I've been embarrassed reading through for Samuel up to that point. Like, and, <laughs> and, and, and reading that really struck me this year because of, I, I felt that embarrassment, like, wow, you know, not the embarrassment just of them, but of me, you know, I'm, I'm just like those people, you know? And so how can it be that it gives God pleasure? And I think, I think it's that point that we're talking about right now. Yeah. I'm missing the reference. I was just looking for it, but you know, uh, Behold the harlots and tax collectors. Oh yeah. Oh, what right. is it? Uh, they it, it's after They'll the parable the of the vine dressers. You. Yeah, yeah. I think it's after the parable of the vine dressers in Matthew. Well, I mean, a similar verse that I, that I can think of right away is in First Corinthians, oh, no. where it talks about how God has chosen the weak and the base things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. First Corinthians one twenty seven. God has chosen the uh, weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty and the base things of the world and the things that are despised. God has chosen the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. And here's the thing that no flesh would glory in his presence. Uh, wow. Mm. And just the thing that you see that here. I mean, wow, I wouldn't, you just like you said earlier, I would never expect to see that in this this section. It just shows how powerful it is to just talk through things the the reference i was thinking of was in matthew twenty one thirty one. it's actually mm. after the parable of the two sons mm. um and you know which of the two did the will of his father well it's the first one that that said i would not but afterward he regretted it and went the second one said i go but he didn't go and so jesus says assuredly i say to you that tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of god before you for John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. Mm-hmm. So that's the Pharisees, the self-righteous Pharisees, that would look down on and despise a tax collector and a harlot. 
So I'm not going to have anything to do with you sinners. Um, anyway, uh, a lot of, <laughs> I think that just the last few minutes proves that there's a ton of places we could go to on that point alone. Well, and, and um, think about this too with the preceding section with Laban. The Pharisees could see where the blessing was coming from, but they had no interest in where it was coming from. They just wanted mm-hmm. the blessing. And isn't that like mm-hmm. Laban? He saw, oh, right, it's yeah. the Lord blessing yeah. you. But he didn't say, how do I serve the Lord? How do I how do I associate mm. myself with the Lord? It's it's just no, you stay here so I can keep getting these things. Right. And and I think that does hit on a biblical topic where there is this passing fascination mm. uh with the truth of God. Right. You know, what is it? The Queen of Sheba coming to Solomon and spending time with him and learning from his wisdom and things like that. You know, that might be great, but she didn't, you know, she didn't become a proselyte, did she? Mm. Um, And so there's something to be said there that I believe the kingdom of God looks great. You know, when it's when it's properly presented, when people see the good features of the kingdom, you know, that that's what they see. And those are those are positive things. Um, Again, I think I may have mentioned on this podcast, I mean, you couldn't do better as an employer than to hire a Christian that actually believes what God says, you know, when you're, when you're working, uh, uh, for your master, you do, you, you work as if you're working for the Lord. Mm. And, uh, you know, for a long time, I didn't actually apply those principles, but, uh, you know, I try to as much as I can, uh, and I try to get better at that all the time. But, uh, you know, when you, when you think about that, the Christian's the best employee you could, you could get, Mm. um, and so the world is going to see, I think, the positive aspects of the kingdom from time to time, mm. but they still won't get it. They still won't really truly understand. Mm. And I think I think that point you make about Laban is spot on. Mm. Jacob building up his case almost and, and saying, you know, what you had before I came was little. It's increased a great amount. Um. You know, I, I can't help but think about the parable of the mustard tree that, you know, that, that mm. this kingdom mm. that God is establishing, it's going to shoot out. It's going to be all these branches. The birds are going to be able to take shade in it. It's going to be, you know, it, it's a it's a, a great providence for those who are part of that kingdom. Uh, and, and, and But there is an effect on others. Um, I mean, we're going to see that with Rahab, aren't we? I mean... Mm we see Rahab hearing of what God has been doing and what the is the victories of the Israelites. And she has such great faith to say, listen, you know, I want your God to be my God. That's not literally what she says, but she basically says, I recognize that the, the he is God of heaven mm-hmm. and earth. And she was preserved from Jericho because of that. Um, so there, there, there is that aspect that, that the kingdom of God has such an overflow, hmm. I think, of goodness that that if the world, you know, from time to time, I think the world can see that. Um, I had a discussion once with um, a fellow who was a Methodist that kind of talked about, well, you know, locally we don't apply the things that the central, you know, I don't know what they call it, the central place that they, you know, basically decide what they're going to believe. Uh, we don't, we don't, we don't accept the example he was saying, we don't accept homosexuals. You know, we don't believe what they believe. And I kind of talked to him about how, you know, he was saying, he was basically telling me, 
I'm sure that the Church of Christ Convention makes decisions that you guys don't always agree with. And I'm saying, well, actually, we don't have that. And he's like, what? And I said, we don't really have a central place where people decide what we're going to believe. It's it's each congregation is autonomous, and we work that way. And he kind of thought for a second, hmm, I guess that would work pretty well, wouldn't it? <laughs> and I was just <laughs> okay, yeah, I mean, you're right. And and But, of course, he didn't really pursue that i guess it, maybe he pursued it later on but still um anyway long story short it, it really seems that that you know laban is greatly blessed and he's seeing that blessing but i think you make a very good point that that he's not seeking to be a part of of this even though he's a part of the family he could easily he could easily join in with this mm-hmm. and try to understand who god is right yeah things really reverse and i I wonder if what Jacob said again in verse 34 through 36, well, 34, 35, I guess. Um, I'm sorry, a little bit earlier than that, when he was talking about separating them in verse 31 through 33. Uh, 35 is where he actually did that. But, you know, if it didn't seem like Jacob was taking the rejected worthless ones, and I wonder if that's like Jesus and the gospel, like you said, the tax collectors and sinners will get into the kingdom before you. If it didn't seem mm. like Jesus, by appearances, like he's looking for this, these are the rejected people. You know, this doesn't make any sense. Mm. And it's the strong who ended up being the rejected ones, and it's the weak who ended up to be the strong ones. And didn't Jesus like actually teach that regularly? Those who humble oh, themselves yeah. will be exalted. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled there are some who are first will be last and last will be first uh he who humbles himself like a little child will be greatest among you so you have all this teaching of i this seem to remember reversal. jesus mentioning that maybe once yeah, or twice. yeah you know, it's a, just it's a little <laughs> bit of a biblical theme in the gospels you know so so i wonder you know if if that's the thing is laban's pride hid that intention in jacob and if the brilliance mm. of jacob's wisdom in perceiving god's presence with him and maybe even hidden deep inside of this narrative is a very deep understanding of God's character because of where Jacob's come from. Jacob came from nothing. He was a runaway thief, a deceiver. And now he's prosperous, wealthy, has many children. He's, he's in Laban's household and expanding. And what does he perceive but that God exalts the lowly? Yeah, I mean, and and again, this gets into our ongoing story with Jacob that we've been talking about mm-hmm. is that, you know, I think, you know, here we're seeing these differences happen. And and the the wonderful thing we're going to see, uh, for example, in chapter 32 is that that there there is this point where it almost seems like God is trying to get him to acknowledge that, hey, right. you know, don't think that this is all you. Right. Um and and by wrestling him he's you know but but Jacob is insistent in those things we'll we'll get to that lord willing um but yeah no i i think i think you make some very very good comments there very good thoughts uh that i think indeed there's there's a way that we could see the kingdom of god in this that you know the the remnant and it's not so much even <laughs> it it it's a remnant of a remnant yeah that ends up being part of the kingdom of Christ. 
and and it's the remnant of a remnant on Pentecost that obeys the gospel. Mm. And it's really, really interesting to me. You know, the remnant came back from the Babylonian exile mm. and that remnant wanted to, you know, I was just teaching um, yesterday morning in our Bible class. I did a one shot lesson about the uh, prophecy. Well, it really was about Daniel nine, but we talked about the messianic prophecy in the latter part of Daniel nine. And what really struck me about that in considering it this time is that, you know, you really would have to stretch. When you look at that prophecy, you really have to stretch if you're thinking about this is only about the return from the exile. Hmm. There's a lot of things that you would just have to say, mm, it doesn't really quite fit. Hmm. That doesn't, you know. But then when you look at the coming of the Messiah and what Jesus did and, and all these things that happened in the outbreak of that, it, it makes so much more sense. And, and, you know, it, it's, it, 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 it's amazing to me that the Jews of Jesus' time were not able to look at that and say, okay, that, that obviously doesn't pertain to the exile. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe there are Jews, people who call themselves Jews today that still look at that as a future thing. But uh, regardless, um, the, the greatest fulfillment is there, and it, and it is this common theme where we see the weak mm-hmm. being turned into the strong. Mm-hmm. And that's true even if even if the world perceives it or whether world, the world perceives it or not. go to uh, as many Bible studies as we like, hear as many Bible, uh, sermons as we would like, and uh, pray as much as we would like, but if we're not really truly applying God's truth to ourselves, we're missing the whole boat. And so, um, you know, some obvious applications here um, might be, I think we got into it a little bit with Leah, we need to be searching in our lives and thinking about what's something that I really don't want to do. <laughs> But if I did it, it would actually be good for the kingdom and and really good for me and good for others. Um, You know, I think about that. I think about how with evangelism, there are some people that it's probably going to be easier for me to talk to than with others. Does that give me an excuse to not talk to those who are difficult for me to converse with? Not at all. Um, You know, maybe that's not exactly what what we might be getting at here, but... um, but but there is something to appreciate there that that God you know just as you said Brian God is desperate to win us mm. and and He wants us to be His uh, but He doesn't force it mm. uh, He simply reasons uh, with us and He He appeals to us um, He doesn't He doesn't uh, manipulate us toward this end and so. We can be thankful that we serve a God that that reaches out to us in that way and and loves us so desperately. Yeah, and, and on that with with Leah, um, I'm going to try to make an application that probably relates to the whole chapter. I guess the nature of how our conversation went, but see, so you, you know, Leah was just really um, overlooked 
really vulnerable. Uh, and she was very, like, emotional. You know, I, I read a lot of emotion in the things that she said. And then Jacob also, you know, was in a very vulnerable per- position when he left left his home. And I think the only reason why it appears as if everything is fine is because, you know, God was with him. It's as simple as that. But I think just like we were talking about, you know, there's... God gives grace so that we can pursue and embrace weakness and vulnerability. Uh, and one application I want to make from that is confession. I've just, I've really noticed how much more serious I need to be about studying my heart and just being willing to be vulnerable with people. Um, you know, the disciples saw Jesus cry. People saw Jesus when he was really hurt. You know, it's like they could see Jesus's inner emotions. Like he didn't try to hide things like that. Mm. Um, you know, in Paul, Second Corinthians is such an emotional letter, and there's a lot of emotion in all of Paul's letters. Uh, so, so mm. I think one of the things in this again is just the encouragement to pursue weakness and vulnerability in a way that is consistent with God's grace. And I think kind of like we talked about too that God doesn't fear embarrassment because it is how He fulfills His purpose. I think that's why I don't confess things to people is because I fear the embarrassment. But I'm actually more fearing mm-hmm. embarrassment than I am looking at how God will fulfill his purpose through that. Yeah, we can become blinded by the consequences of being genuine mm, and right. real. Yeah. Rather than actually just being genuine right. and real and letting things go that way. And it's, you know, Bryant and I, you know, Bryant, we talk about like, you know, just let the awkwardness happen, you know, embrace <laughs> yeah. the awkwardness. But that's really more on a, on a, I would say a more superficial right. level when we really look at it this way and, and understand that, you know, we all have flaws. We all have places where we're not what we ought to be sometimes. Um, let's admit that to each other. Uh, specifically, let's admit that to yeah. ourselves first and let's be willing to share that with others. I mean, th- there's, there's a, there's a certain thing when you live in, in the South and places like Alabama and Mississippi that when someone asks you how you're doing, you typically say fine, you know, hmm. uh, fine, finer than frog hair is one of the things that I've heard before. It's pretty fine. Uh, and yeah, it's pretty fine. And, uh, but, but there's, there's a problem with that because, um, I mean, if it's true, then yeah, no problem. But, I have to really monitor myself when someone asks me how I'm doing. Like, I mean, certainly I don't want to go into a long spiel about, you know, everything that I'm dealing with. But at the same time, I think I can be honest and say, well, you know, it could be better. Uh, but, you know, I'm hoping that things get better. And um, if I feel close enough to the person, I may I may open up that way. But, uh, yeah, I, I think really... That's what we, that's what we see here. I mean, if God was embarrassed about these things, we wouldn't have mm. stories like this. We would have the same kind of legends right. that all the other religions have. You know, this perfect paragon went and did this and did that. And you know, I recognize people say, "Oh, the Greek gods had all these different, you know, foibles and and moral problems and things like that." And I get that, but that's. Let's talk about the moral problems of the gods. You look back in those things, it's like there's nothing said that really is demeaning about the people in that history. And uh, 
you know, God is, God is letting everything show Mm -hmm. and we see all the cracks. We're seeing all the wrinkles here and, uh, it's just going to get uglier (laughs) (laughs) in in the scope of the Bible. But, uh, but, but God be thanked that, that we have a savior that, uh, you know, we don't have to stay that way. This isn't all that we have, that we have such a wonderful, uh, and fulfilled promise. Mm -hmm. Um, what are some things you might pull out of, uh, you know, when we look at Laban, um, you know, obviously number one would be, let's, you know, be good stewards of what you have, um, work hard, do what you need to do, um, understand and appreciate when the Lord is blessing you. Um, and at the same time, I think there's something we said here. We've already kind of discussed this with Laban, but, you know, if there's something that you're seeing in someone else that's good and maybe something you need to try to emulate, you know, don't, don't really be like Laban. Don't just, don't just coast by on someone else's excellence. Try to emulate that yourself and try to work on that and, and, and build from there. I don't know if that makes sense, but you know, it's like Laban is this outsider looking into this relationship that Jacob has with God. And, and he, it seems like he's more interested, like you said, in, in benefiting from it rather than actually investing himself in, in the challenges to actually have that relationship, which as we're seeing, you know, as you mentioned later on is that he would need to get rid of those idols. He would need to do what Abram did and leave Ur of the Chaldees. Um, which again, you know, he, he is, he is in Haran. So, yeah, it's interesting. Cause I, I like how you talked about work a little bit there. Cause I think Jacob being encouraged about God's promises and just perceiving God's presence with him. And, and I think knowing where he came from and where he was going, because he came from, you know, his home back in Canaan and, you know, came from, knowing how he got the blessing through the seeds and stealing it. But then he also knew God said, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be your God and I'm going to make you a great nation, you know? So he had those promises to hold on to. And I think that made it so that he could subject himself to mistreatment and selfishness. Like he let himself get used by people who were just trying to use him for what they could get out of him. And he was confident to let that happen, knowing that God would provide. Um, I worked when I was so to those who are listening, Stephen and I actually lived really close to each other in Birmingham. And when I was living in Birmingham, uh, I was working at UPS and that job was just complete chaos. Like it was such a crazy environment. And I thought about quitting hundreds of times, I think, while I worked there in a couple of years and, and I was thinking that way mainly because it didn't seem like a good environment for, be, for me to be in spiritually. It was just, it was very pressing and chaotic and in your face. And um, anyway, it was just, it was really hard for a lot of reasons. And the, the sin that was constantly being brazenly, openly, and aggressively committed in speech and behavior was just very hard to be around. Um, and anyway, um Part of the job was the intensity of, you know, being taken advantage of, though, with, with, with just the work and the nature of the work. Um, but I was reading Jeremiah uh, a lot when I was working there. And 
reading Jeremiah actually changed my attitude completely by the grace of God while I was there and eventually actually stopped thinking about quitting for the most part. <laughs> I think sometimes it would still cross my mind a little bit. But when I read about the endurance of Jeremiah and how needful it was for Jeremiah to be where he was and how God needed Jeremiah just to be tough in his faith and to be willing to be abused by people because that's how people could see God in him, uh, it really changed my mind and it changed my heart. You know, and I, I struggled so bad with that for so long. Um, but I've just, I've really learned by the grace of God, God being just really patient with me, that it's, it's, and this is going to sound really crazy, but it's good to be abused by people, you know, not, not in a way where, you know, you're being abused in a way where I'm, I'm not talking about like rape or violence. I'm not talking about things like that. I'm talking about like an employer being overbearing, giving you too much work, not recognizing you, even though they're mistreating you. You're in a hard environment. You don't want to be there. You know, this whole idea of do what makes you feel great. Do follow mm. your passion. You know, I just really don't see that in the Bible. What I see is, hey, you know what? If you're a slave and your master is being harsh and mistreating you, rejoice and continue to submit mm. to him joyfully. Don't try to leave that situation. You know, so I think it's just so important to not be infected with worldly idealism, but let God's grace change our attitude even in harsh environments. I think that's so important. Mm. Now, the balance on that, of course, would be that Jacob is, is going to leave. Yeah, yeah, he will leave. He's out of there. Uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and, but and so it was in God's time and God's way, though. You know, right? Sure. God appeared sure. to him in a vision. You know, and this was yeah. working out by God's providence. You know, so there, there's there's a time to leave, and so I don't want to make it sound like you got to stay and be abused, and that quitting somewhere is not an option. Um, but there, there's there's just higher principles sometimes and things that can make those decisions difficult. You know. Well, this is a little bit more of a controversial subject, but you know the the husband who is verbally or mentally abusing his wife uh, right right you know yeah i mean i can understand if it's a if it's a matter of physical abuse then i would say yeah let's get the wife out of that situation so you don't have threat of life you know hanging over um but even then you know there are a lot of people uh even people that call themselves christians that will say that 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 mental ab abuse, that verbal abuse, that's cause and grounds for divorce. And I'm sorry, I, I, I don't know how you feel about that, Brian, but I just don't see that in the word. Right. Um, there, there's so much more of a sense that, you know, you suffer and you work and you strive um, at that, uh, you know, wh whatever situation you're in. Um, I don't know, maybe we'll have some... <laughs> A lot of emails coming in about that, but uh, I'd love for us to discuss that, though. I, I'm not threatened by, by that topic whatsoever. But, um, yeah, that, that, I think you make a really good point here that, um, and, uh, you know, the image that I'm getting here more is that, you know, Jacob, he's just being wise about what he has. Um, and and I, think, I think there is the, the overwhelming thing, because, I mean, look at, Look at chapter 31, verse 3, just to, you know, hey, spoiler warning. The Lord says to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. And just like you mm. say, this was in God's timing. God was telling him to do this and the promise that I will be with you. And so Jacob has this this strong, and I think, um, what was the phrase you were using earlier? This confident 
uh, or this mm, humble confidence. Almost a bolt. I'm sorry. Like a humble confidence. Humble confidence. Yeah, I think that I think that's very, I think that's very solidly uh, what 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 Jacob seems to be coming across with here. So yeah, there's a lot of interesting things for us to to pull out of that chapter. Again, Bryant, we're seeing that you know we come across chapters that we're like, mm, yeah, don't know if we'll be able to fill the time with it, but look at all that we you know saw just in this, yeah. and it's not you know it's not our expertise. It's just kind of looking right. at the word and just kind of really meditating on it together. Yeah, yeah, amen. Well, again, we're grateful to you for taking the time to be with us. And uh, we hope that you'll listen next time where, Lord willing, we'll get into chapter 31 of Genesis. Thank you so much for being part of this uh, podcast, Bryant, as always. Uh, It's such a pleasure. Until that time, study well and be lights to God's glory. The music on this podcast is provided courtesy of Symphonia. Visit their website at symphonia.com. Walking Through the Book is created and promoted with the support of the North Columbus Church of Christ in Columbus, Mississippi. Find out more at northcolumbuschristians.com. The website of the Garden City Church of Christ in Savannah, Georgia is gardencitycoc.org.